Welcome to episode 180 of the 200 Churches podcast. That situation could almost fit like oh. like at a chapter between like Acts 16 and 17 or <laughs> 17 and 18 where where this happens and the riot starts yeah. and they, <laughs> they carry you guys out of the city yeah. of Sioux Falls to stone you. <laughs> yeah. My I, goodness. I had never gotten so many, you know, the church, you want to be positive, you want people to like you and yeah. I never, I realized that moment, never go on the news stations chat room and comment boards because you just get murdered on it and i was like oh man we just parents were happy huh yeah really thrilled with us they wanted to show up on sunday (laughs) she was out welcome to the 200 churches podcast where every wednesday we produce a fresh episode of ministry encouragement for pastors of small churches now here are two guys who like you serve in the trenches of small church ministry the wallace and gromit of ministry podcasts jeff and johnny this is the 200 Churches Podcast. My name is Jeff Cady, and I am here with my good friend and podcast partner. Zach Bauer. Wait. Oh. <laughs> replaced. John, oh! John, replaced. <laughs> Johnny Craig, and also okay. in the studio with us today is... Zach Bauer. Not to be confused with... Jack himself. Jack Bauer. Jack himself, the one and only. One you know, only. we might change this to the 24 That's Churches right. Podcast. 24 Hours Podcast. Churches. I like that. Good. We can revolutionize really your church in 24 hours. <laughs> yeah. Probably. We can double your church in 24 hours. Oh, right? boy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Double your church in 24 hours. If your church hours. is two people, we will show up and we <laughs> yeah. will double it in 24 but, hours. But That's here's the true. thing. Here's the deal, though. In those 24 hours, you can't do three. You can't do four things. You can't sleep. sleep. You, can't you can't eat. You can't use the restroom. Yeah. And Were there never any breaks in <laughs> no, time for that? There weren't. So it would go minute to minute? Well, you know, when they would go to a different scene, somebody else doing something. The show was how many episodes long? 24 you, episodes? Uh, for the season? Yeah, yeah, yeah 24 and episodes. And so it was legit 24 hours. <laughs> a legit 24 you hours. assume that they're doing their bathroom they stuff. They never ate. They well, never I'm not worried slept. about the eating or the sleeping, but the bathroom As stuff. far as I Diapers, know, they never man. went to the bathroom. Diapers. <laughs> Jack Bauer knew <laughs> when he was going to have to save the world. Secrets and he 24. So, so if in 24 hours, here's a deal. Hey, listener, if in 24 hours you could double your church, would you hire Zach Bauer to help you do it? Would you yes. do it? And how much were you, would you be willing to pay for him to come to your community? And in 24 hours, <laughs> double, your double your church. Wow, that's a, that's a service. 24 Churches Podcast. <laughs> got to figure it out for him. Oh, man. So, <laughs> Zach, we're going to talk today about volunteers because... Isn't it critical for a church planner and a bivocational pastor? And you know, small churches in general. And a yeah. small church pastor, yeah. of which you are all three, to develop competent volunteers. I think that's a very good adjective. Competent. They don't yeah. have to be stellar. Yeah. And we want them, <laughs> we, we want them a little what more than that? adequate. Yes, yes, yes. So you that's got stellar on one end. If you could get them our stellar. Listeners listening. <laughs> all of our volunteers are stellar, all of them. Right. But, but they don't have to be. They can just be competent, and that would be fine. Well, yes. but here's the deal, though. If, if I'm going to expect to have stellar volunteers, then I had better always, 24 hours a day, be a stellar pastor. So Check. I'd like to be competent. <laughs> Which is more than adequate, maybe just a hair down from Stellar. So, yeah, volunteer, Zach. So, how have you done it? We have where I think it begins is a culture. It's a DNA thing. So, our church back home, it, it was something that was built into the culture of our church, the DNA. And obviously, when you're a new church, you can start fresh. 
with that. Uh, if you're an existing church, you've been around for a while, I think it's shifting the culture of what it means to be a volunteer. Yeah. And I, I, I don't necessarily like the word volunteer. Um, I like more of the word, you know, serving, uh, being a part of the team. Volunteer kind of has a, an idea where it's like a, you know, you're entitled to something or there's a job or you don't get the full context of that we're called to serve. So right. what do you call them again? Uh, team members or team members. We call them a lot of time leaders, lead, team leaders, team members. Okay. Team. team we members. use the word team more than we use volunteers. Okay. Okay. Again, it's semantics. I don't know. They don't. I don't think anyone really would care what <laughs> term it is. But I personally like the idea of more of a team, the yeah. serving aspect. Yeah. Um. So we 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 developed this idea of of a culture right away, um, and trying to get our shift of our mind, our thinking to this idea of building this culture of serving. And so a lot of that is developing uh, people and communicating the vision of what do we mean by serving? What do we mean by being a part of the team? And one thing that, you know, we found, and I found this as years of being at a church, um, we use this phrase a lot of times at our church that the need is your calling, okay? Or the calling is is the need. A lot of times in churches, you have a lot of people who, We'll use this phrase that I'm called to sure. do this, or you know, I have a calling in this area. And a lot of times that I recognize, especially in existing churches and even church plants as well, is that they miss what the actual needs are in the church, and they're looking for a position or a calling. Okay, so we try to communicate this right away to our team members that whatever the need is in the church, that's what we're called to do. And so here's a couple examples of this: is when I was first coming on, right before I came on staff at the church back in Montana, uh, I was about a year in the church, really had a heart, felt called to be a youth pastor. We were a church, uh, probably 40, 50 people, had probably five kids that would be eligible for youth group age. And I came to my pastor and I said, I, I really feel called to lead the youth. Right. And, you know, he, he kind of agreed and felt, you know, that's, yeah, no, I think that could be something really great. I said, well, can I start a youth group? And he said, well, here's what I want you to do. I want you to mow the yard at the church this <laughs> summer. And I was like, oh, did you hear me? <laughs> I, I wanted to be the youth leader, <laughs> not, not the mower in the yard, not, not the custodian guy outside. I, I wanted to lead. He goes, no, I, I want you to serve there. We need someone to mow the yard. We need someone to cut the grass. Wow. I want you to do that. Your pastor sounds like a kind of a weird dude <laughs> i like cool but weird your stories like have him. been like yeah it's yeah i'm strangely drawn to him <laughs> so <laughs> jeff wants me to mow the lawn that's <laughs> yeah, what that yeah. means yeah, then tomorrow out <laughs> yeah, there right. uh, but our yard was like thorns it was dead grass it's kind of a back of a part of a building so okay. it was horrible like it really didn't need to be mowed <laughs> okay you're more than anything you're just mowing weeds down and i remember every week i'd pull up grab the lawnmower and I would just be steaming mad every single time, thinking to myself, wow. oh, I don't deserve I want to do youth. This, isn't, this is below me. I'm not going to, what in the world? This is horrible. And I begin to kind of create this attitude. And so over time, you know, obviously he had a plan in, in place that was helping me understand this. He came to me and he kind of brought this phrase back to me and saying, hey, your calling is the need. Whatever the need is, you're called to. Of course, People have there's giftings and talents and abilities that people are are called to. But what he was developing me was his heart to understand to serve another man's vision to serve no matter what it is, no matter where it is, but serving for the benefit of others and for Christ. I didn't have that. I was more 
I don't think I was malicious in my thinking of wanting to be a youth pastor, but I think it was more about me leading something and being sure. important. And he was developing this heart of this, this idea of serving wherever the need is. Meet, That's where you serve. Yeah, yeah, meet the need. If it's mowing the yard, then you're called to mow the yard. We had another lady in our church who cleaned the bathrooms. And I guarantee you, she didn't say, you know what? I, my calling in life is to scrub the toilets. <laughs> no, she said, I'm called to serve the house. Hmm. And that's the need needing to be in place. And that's what I'm going to do. So we've tried to develop this culture, this attitude, this idea that we serve. There's no, nothing that we do at church that's below anybody. Everybody does anything and everything. Obviously, there's, I'm not going to lead worship Sunday because we would lose people on Sunday. <laughs> but but every, no one's above anything. No one's above any position. Right. And we're not about position. So we've been strategic to communicate that vision. We've also been strategic and intentional with not using so many titles and uh, position places. So we, we were really careful to, to put someone over something and, and call them, you know, you're now the head of kids director now. You're the top dog. Sure. Of this. We've been really careful to watch kind of how much titles we throw around and give. When we first planted, I think it's necessary probably in, I think you see it a lot in church plants and probably smaller churches, is you find people who are looking for a position or they're looking for a place where they can use their gifts and use their calling. And sometimes these people are not the people you want in those areas. It's sure. kind of, it's almost like you're a magnet when you're a church plant or a smaller church. It's like, I can't go to these other ones cause they'll, they won't ever use me, but <laughs> man, this church plant's desperate for somebody. I'll come in and be a <laughs> oh, pastor. They'll use anybody. Yeah. Yeah. And I had a few that came in right away that were very much all about my position. And, right. and I remember meetings and having these conversations, trying to communicate this vision that, hmm. Hey, we need someone to make coffee and, and do kids. And all he would say back and forth to me, and I doubt he's listening because if my name's on it, he's not going to listen to it. Uh, <laughs> so I doubt he's listening. He kept coming back to me. I'm not called to do that. I'm not called to do that. I'm called to counsel. I'm called to be a pastor. Oh. And over and over kind of work this idea of. So So I, I think it begins with this kind of culture of developing this idea of helping people understand why we serve, how we serve. And then we practically do it together as a team. And everything we do is team-led. All our volunteers are part of the process. Uh, we have coordinators that oversee areas, but no one is in charge and does everything. Every volunteer has a part to play on a team. So, for example, our Connect team. There are multiple team leads in this. They all have a part in playing the whole big picture. And, but every volunteer has a part to say in this part of greeting, the hospitality, the follow-up. And so we include them in this process of understanding how we do it, why we do it, and then releasing them to function in those roles as volunteers. Go ahead. So you sound like you do you do a good amount of training with these volunteers. Yeah, I, I'm kind of from the school of you know uh, hard knocks, kind of throw them in and go with it. Uh, so we have a lot of ours that just jump in and we kind of teach along um, along the process. Okay. But yeah, we do uh, meetings every other month with volunteers and. Uh, more than anything, we train heart and then practically whatever area they're in. Do and you? I, I, oh, I, I like I like your. Uh, sorry, Johnny. I you like just your keep preempting me. That's all right. I know. <laughs> I like what you were saying earlier because it's it's the heart of Christ, yeah. right? I mean, that is the heart of Jesus. That if this is a need, then I'm called to do this. If indeed I'm called to this church and I'm called to this body of believers as part of the body and I want to advance the kingdom, this is what this body needs right now. So even though I'd like to be doing 
counseling or preaching or quote unquote pastoral work, mm-hmm. uh, I'm going to do what the need is. So I, I like that because again, that's the heart of Christ, and we lose that so quickly. I I heard a, a podcast this morning. The guy was talking to an executive pastor, and he said, "Oh yeah, executive pastors. That's really fun. You get your get a st- really nice office and your own little parking spot." <laughs> and and he was joking, but but it, again, it highlights that you know what are we? Are we executives? Or are we servants? Are we servant leaders? Are we like Christ? Jeff wanted to be an executive pastor yeah. after you listened to the podcast. <laughs> well, that sounds great. No, I, I know that I can't be an executive pastor. Not your, not your you, gift. You have to be administrative for that. No, so. yeah, that's not that's not for us. No way. So, Zach, is it hard? Has it been hard to find volunteers who will, who don't need to be micromanaged, who catch the vision and say? Yeah, I'm capable, and I will take ownership of this. Do you seek those people out? Have they sought you out? What I mean, what's the pattern? Because it sounds like, from what you're saying, you have really good. You have volunteers who have said, "I want to own this." Yeah, we've been fortunate right away to to gather people who had a vision and and had uh, you know ability to step into those. Yeah, um, that helped us right away, kind of establish multiple team leaders to then handle uh, volunteers. Uh, what we found was is once we kind of put those in place, you kind of just go into autopilot. And this is kind of our first two years kind of doing that. We realized, well, to continue to grow, we need to add more leaders. How do we develop leaders? Yeah. So we've now kind of recognized how, how do we recognize leaders and then how do we develop them into a place? And so we have, kind of, uh, again, I don't have this figured out. We're not all-stars at this, but we, we're pretty good at recognizing within our teams. And since we run it as a team, uh, like a kid's team will have five different directors involved with it. They have their hands involved in every area and they recognize, Hey, this person's they're filling in every time someone drops off. Uh, right. they're asking me for more. We need to, we need to increase. And so let's, let's create a position. Let's create a spot for them. Let's, let's put them in this area. And so, uh, a lot of that happens within ministries like that, as well as our life group. I, I would say our life groups, our small groups would be kind of the training ground for a lot of leaders who have a heart um, but are also really good at gathering and caring for people. So we have kind of that system where our, our leaders are really good at developing, uh, recognizing people within their ministries. Um, and then we try to communicate a lot that, hey, you have a gift, you have a calling, you have something that you are good at. Uh, we'd love to have you be a part of it. But here's what we do is we want you to serve somewhere first. And I, I've always been a part of that, kind of like David was with Saul, is he served someone else's vision. Yeah. When you can learn to serve somebody else's vision, uh, it's less about your motivations and your vision and your abilities taking over. Uh, then you begin to understand that you're doing this for a reason, for a purpose. And I think that's the hardest part, especially as a young leader myself. Uh, it took a while for me to learn to serve another man's vision first uh, without trying to uh, get mine across first. Sure. Have you been able to figure out how to not add ministries that you can't staff for? You know what I mean? As a new church, you try to start new things. Have you gone yeah. out too far sometimes? Yeah, we, you... we did last year, last two years, the first two years of church planning, we we did so many things. And we would do this and do that and, and overextend ourselves. And for a lot of the ministries, uh, we had great volunteers, great hearts, uh, but not necessarily have the ability to lead it. Yeah. And so they would flounder or they would you know kind of fizzle out or the same 10 people are doing the same thing for everything. So we recognized this last year and we took a year to kind of go, let's simplify what we're good at. 
what we want to do and, and what's going to progress our vision forward. And so if it doesn't fit with our vision and we don't have the ability to put someone over it, then let's wait and let's develop somebody and put them in place of that. So we try to kind of almost do you know, like the minor league baseball is to try to have a development place where we can work things out, try things, develop things. Heart and character are big deals for me. I would take that over a flash and ability um, probably most days. Mm. And we've had people come in with great abilities, but horrible character or, or just immature character. And so they didn't last long. They didn't catch the heart. They didn't get the purpose. Yeah. And, and so now we kind of recognize some of those things and we have people in place that, their heart is all for it, and they're submitted, and they're connected to church. And they, over time, they'll learn to be, you know, their abilities will grow, their giftings will grow. And I would much rather take that. That's that's who I was. Man, my pastor took me in. I was a dropout out of college. You know, I was in and out of jail at that time. And he kind of discipled me, grew me up, never had, you know, gone to Bible school before then, and put me in place of ministry because my heart was in the place, and he developed and discipled me. And and so I think that's the one of the greatest areas is to see people grow and develop through situations and through, and they're never going to, it's never easy. You know, it's messy sure. good ministry, but, but I see myself, the scars, the battle wounds <laughs> that you go through with people, those are, have opportunities to bind you and to hold you close. And when you got someone's heart, very similar to Jonathan and David, you know, they have their other's heart uh, with heart and soul and you can do a lot. You can do a lot of impact and influence in the ministry and kingdom when you have people who are committed like that. That might be what Jeff and I have together that makes this whole thing work. Yeah. Is, well, yeah, I have tell. no, I have no actual skills to use. I can't speak for him, but our y- unitedness and yeah. heart, I think, moves the church forward in really beautiful ways that I don't think it would be able to move forward if we were, you know, not connected in the way that we are. Jeff's looking at me like, no, that's not true. No, but. no, it's I mean, obviously you can pick it up on the podcast. <laughs> Being in person with you guys, you can tell there's a great, there's obviously a heart connection, which is what's makes I've, ministry. I've always believed that that's so important for a mm-hmm. church. And, I, and I've been in a situation where it wasn't the case. It wasn't true. And even though it was a high polish, high sheen, a lot of shellac on the outside, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> it, it didn't, it didn't work. It didn't work. No. Whereas at our church, it's it's pretty low polish. I'd say I'm not trying to throw dirt on the church. We have a great church, but we don't we don't the production value that we put forward in our ministries isn't high, but it's authentic. Yeah. And I think Jeff's Jeff's love, genuine love, and I have genuine love too. But he's been here so long. Jeff's genuine love for the people, and then our genuine love for each other. I think it bleeds out just bleeds out into the into the culture of the church yeah. and does something really fantastic. Yeah, and vision is, you know, it's it's caught, not t- taught. And right. so they catch it. They catch that yeah. in ministry. Man, it's kind of something be hard to replace, wouldn't it, Johnny? Don't be this way. No. I'm just saying. <laughs> With not, Zach? You got not, him right here. Probably not that hard to replace. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh, that is good. That's really good. <laughs> I, would, I wouldn't worry about it. <laughs> you know... Ronald Reagan once talked in a debate about the youth and inexperience of his opponent, and they say that that won him the election. That statement you just made, Zach, that just might have won you the, <laughs> there you go. the, the position here. <laughs> Not that hard to replace. Not that hard to replace. <laughs> well, that's funny. So it seems as though your pastor from Montana really influenced you, Yeah, really made an impact on you, and, and you are taking what he's put in you 
and you are putting it into it's almost as though he through you is impacting the people in your church yeah no i think it's it's definitely that he has influenced a lot of the philosophy and, and dna that's built into me how how we do ministry how we view ministry how we approach things uh that he got from his pastor who's still pastoring a church that helped us plant as well and so the heritage and kind of that lineage of of churches is, is evident in in this process to go now you're seeing you're seeing dna replicated down and in philosophy it's not that we have it all together and we have it you know all the right answers but for us it's sure. it's, it's, it's what's helped us develop a certain way and it, and i struggle i my pastor is is calculated. He's 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 a, a slow mover as a positive slow mover where they take time, they evaluate, mm-hmm. and that I, always frustrated me as yeah. a, as a, a pastor there because I want to move, do this, change this, and and I know for sure without him teaching me those lessons, I would have made monumental mistakes in the last three years because I was driven more of my motivation. And I could hear his little voice. And I talked to him on a regular basis of going, <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't do that. Think about it this way. What about this? And mm-hmm. and it's helped me kind of catch myself in moments that I go, oh, yeah, that would have been stupid. See, I, I like this. I really like this because so many people, they they see the differences between them and another person. And that does not allow them to learn from the person. Mm. So you have said some things that about your pastor, you're not like that, you're different and all, yet you still speak of him in hushed, reverenced tones. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. You still, I can, I can, I've noticed that. I noticed that. You you speak of him with great respect and fondness, and you've allowed his lessons to work in you, but then you haven't let him stay there. You've taken those things, yeah. and you, he's poured into you, and you are trying to pour into others. And I guess, you know, we don't interview people live very yeah. often, but <laughs> yeah. it's cool. It's like that Second yeah. Timothy, is it Second Timothy 2, 2, where you, uh, you take what you've learned and you give it to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Yeah. Yeah. And you are literally, t- that is yeah. happening between your pastor, you, and the people in your church. And I think that's, I think that should be an encourage. I hope it's encouraging to small mm-hmm. church pastors who are listening, who have a college dropout who's yeah. 24, 25 yeah. years old in their church right now, and uh, maybe you just need to have them mow the lawn, right? Yep. Or or vacuum the fellowship hall, mm-hmm. or do something. Yeah. And and but you have to find faithful men. Yep. Who will also teach others? Yep. See, because you have to decide who are you going to invest in. Because yeah, sometimes true. you invest in the wrong people, and mm-hmm. they take your investment and they just squander yeah. it, right? Yeah. They don't do anything with it, and then other people take it, and you actually get a return. Yeah. So I think that your pastor is getting a return off of you and what you're doing in your church. So that's it's just really cool to see that. Yeah. No, I, it's a. I'm blessed. I I don't think I recognized it till after I planted and. You kind of get out and you go, oh, now I see. <laughs> yeah, I see what he was saying. Yeah, hmm. but, and you're learning new things. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. They have nothing to do with him. Nope. But they're new things that you're going to have. And, and I'm passing on to some of our team leaders and people. Right. And I have actually a couple who um, was in our youth ministry together uh, f- throughout most of the ten years or throughout our time there, and uh, they graduated and they ended up getting married and stayed in the church in Montana. And then when we planted, they came with us. Oh wow! And so we have a couple that we've we were investing in as you know freshmen in high school, cool. Got married and now huh. a part of our church. That's very and cool. I pick up things 
even listening to him counsel and, and teach other people, I'm going, oh, you're picking up things that I <laughs> I picked up that you've picked up now and you're teaching and yeah. and philosophy, which is just I think that process that's cool that's to awesome. see. That's awesome. Yeah. So Zach, you're talking about volunteers. You're talking about volunteer driven ministry. Your church did a huge had a huge ministry, impacted thousands. Impact, it might be a word you would shy away from, <laughs> had uh, had Touched. interaction with yes. thousands. And people loved it, right? Yep. Uh, your church felt like they could get behind it. Your volunteers felt like, man, this is a big thing. And big events. I mean, that yeah. nothing you know, nothing gets volunteers more lit up than mm-hmm. when they can put together a big event. And then you were all like, hey, let's stop doing that. Talk us through w- like why... And then how you walked your volunteers through that process. You know what I mean? Because it yeah. had to be hard. I'm sure some yeah. were like, hallelujah, yeah. right? But some of them <laughs> had to be like, that's what we do, right? Yeah. So how, do you, how did you walk through getting rid of something and, and retaining volunteers and retaining excitement about the overall vision mm-hmm. even while that was happening? So we kind of started the church with a lot of community involvement, a lot of focus in developing relationships with the community. We called it bridges into the community that we could build a bridge to help connect those who don't go to church or who are in the community who wouldn't ever show up at church. This is a way to connect them. So a lot of ours were felt needs, and so we did these egg hunts that brought in you know five, 6,000 people a year, and, and were a blast. The fun, I mean, tons of PR, tons of people. And over the last year, we finally came to a place of going, why are we doing this? Okay. Now, the Easter egg. The hunt. Easter egg hunt. Okay. What's the purpose of doing this egg hunt? Yeah, we're reaching. You know, thousands of people are coming. Our names being out there. We're not seeing anybody come to the church. You know, no one's necessarily getting saved on the Easter field. You know, it's like, yeah. what is this? What's the purpose? And we kind of narrowed it down, saying we're mostly doing this for us. We like the we like the feel and the joy and the and I get serving's a blast and can be fun like this kind of stuff, but it was more about more for us than it was for anybody. So we as a team, as a core team, we talked this through and said, Okay, we're gonna transition this because we believe we're a church to impact and influence lives. And we do that by gathering on Sunday, growing in life groups, and then living love loud in our personal lives and as a church. And the egg hunt isn't doing that as our vision. It doesn't, it's not a helping us achieve that. And so we said, we're going to shift and we're going to change this. And so we, we told the church, our vision is to impact and influence, uh, to connect with people in the community. And Akon has done its job for a couple of years, did a great job, but we need to be more intentional with reaching on church and, and discipling and bringing them in the church. And so we need to make this shift. And so a lot of people thought, you know, oh, great. We're, you know, why would you give away thousands of people? Why would you push away and, and drop that opportunity. And so we decided and said, okay, the purpose is to connect with people, right? To build bridges. And we want to have, uh, we want to be able to have personal contact to touch the hear, to hear stories. And so we, we cast the vision of, of changing it. We did it every month, some kind of outreach. And so we kind of broke it down to doing four things and being a little bit more intentional with where we're at. And, and for the most part, our church caught behind it. A few people were wondering why, you know, and sure, but you know, with vision understanding, we, we kind of always communicated that, you know, we're never going to just keep doing things for the sake, just because we always do it. Uh, we yeah. want to change things up and, and I don't want the egg hunt to become a tradition just because we've always done it. Right. And, and so we wanted to make that statement quickly and say, okay, we're going to shift because we're reaching different people and different stages. And, and so for the most part, it was good. We had a few people that were wondering, but, uh, and it's funny this year out of all the years, of doing the egg hunt, thousands of people. 
uh, we always had to work at advertising and got the news. Well, the one year we don't do any advertising, we had the most people who, who actually came to church because they were looking for an egg hunt. And, <laughs> and we still pop up on the Google searches. Oh. And they'd call us and say, are you doing an egg hunt? And we'd say, well, no, we'll, we'll have them church on Sunday. And we've had more people come to church than we ever had with that doing the egg wow. hunts. And then we had the news station show up at church this week, which we never send any press release or anything. So it's just kind of funny that... Okay, it's as you know, <laughs> well. It's it's served a purpose. Then, yeah, those yeah. first two years. Now t- you got to tell the story. You got to tell the story yeah. about releasing the kids. Yeah. So we, just, we just tell that story. Yeah, the story. first year we had a thousand came out. We were a church of like forty people. We thought we'd blown. They're like huge time. This is awesome. And and we knew a thousand. Okay, a lot more. We need to do a lot more. So the second year we ran the one of the bigger parks in Sioux Falls. And said, okay, we're going to we're expect 2,500 people. We're going to do double the inflatables, double the food, double the eggs. How many eggs? And uh, I think we did 10,000 eggs that oh. year, if I remember right. Because um, we did 20,000 last year. We had enough for 60,000 eggs last year, but um, we did a little different system with eggs. But So we had 10,000 eggs. We had a lot more candy <laughs> to restuff eggs if we needed it. Well, the morning has been beautiful. We have all these inflatables up. And crowd after crowd starts showing up. And more and more and more and more and and we're thinking and we're excited we're, we're really pumped but the year before we had known that parents were getting mad because other parents were pushing ki- other parents and other kids out of the way so their kids could get <laughs> eggs so we knew at the younger egg hunt we had to do it a little different because parents you know can't be trusted in the egg hunt zone so right before we have thousands of people and we realized the first egg hunt i think we said roughly 2000 kids or 1500 kids um, were gathered in this first age group, and they were just you know, two, three deep rows of kids all around this field. And we thought, okay, we'll make this really easy, so no parents can get mad. We announced no parents are allowed to come in the zone. Kids only can hunt eggs. We thought this is genius, Zach. You just came up with the best idea. <laughs> we counted down three, two, one. Immediately, I knew I had just screwed up. We have now. <laughs> almost 2000 kids who have rushed the middle parents cannot now can't find their kids when they ran out into the crowd <laughs> kids are hunting for eggs parents are trying to find their kid kids can't find their parents kids aren't even getting eggs because there's too many kids not enough eggs and we had oh, moms man. showing up at the info table <laughs> chewing us out we're trying to announce over the radio that we have all these kids who can't find their moms and dads, oh. but we can't announce their name because we don't know who their parent is. So we're saying, we have a kid in a green sweatshirt looking for a mom. It was a nightmare. I had so many emails. It was like, from that moment, we're like, okay, if we, I almost did not do it again because it was such a nightmare. I that, said, if we do it again, we're doing this differently. That situation could almost fit like, oh. it, like at a chapter between like Acts 16 and 17 or <laughs> 17 and 18 where, where this happens and the riot starts yeah. and they, they carry you guys out of the city <laughs> yeah. of Sioux Falls to stone you. <laughs> yeah. My I, goodness. I had never gotten so many. You know, the church, you want to be positive you want people to like you and yeah. i never i realized at that moment never go on the news stations chat room and comment boards because oh. you just get murdered <laughs> on it and i was like oh man we just the parents were happy huh <laughs> yeah really thrilled with us they wow. wanted to show up on sunday <laughs> and shoo us out so we, we we made up the best we could and, and apologized and in, in the next year we did it we had a little better system and and a lot of parents we invited. We we were able to go in the news station and kind of say, "Yeah, last year we had too many people, but this year we're 
you know, we have enough for 60,000 eggs. We, we can facilitate 10,000 people, no problem. And so a lot of people gave us second chance. and uh, We're happier Yeah, the next yeah, year. Every kid got, we, our guarantee on the news was every kid will get candy. And so that's why we came up with 60,000 eggs gotcha. and pieces of candy. Sweet. <laughs> yes. Now, you did have a new volunteer who had previously done what? To help yeah, you with so that last year. One of our volunteers started joining our church. He runs a festival in Sioux Falls called Life Light. They yep. see up to 300,000 people that come through. He oversees the entire grounds. Yeah. And I told him, okay, you're an answer to prayer. You're running point. You are now going to run this, and I am going to do nothing but interview on the news and walk around. And that's it. And so he built this amazing framework of fences and porta potties and. Uh, different egg hunt zones, and every 15 minutes they hunt. I mean, if any church out there wants to do an egg hunt, we have it completely packaged and fit in a way that would work. I mean, current turnkey solution that makes egg hunts work don't, great. Don't do what Zach did. Don't do what I do. I'll give you <laughs> all our resources that we did with the egg hunt, even the map and how to do it. Uh, they're yeah. great. They're great things. For us as a church plant, it was an enormous opportunity to get in thousands of people yeah and known and we were still known in town as the church does the egg hunt yeah. and uh and who knows maybe we'll bring it back a, a year or two down the road but very cool um, yeah so pastor zach bauer red door church in sioux falls contact him if you need the plans for the easter egg. or if you're still angry from yeah. two years yeah, we'll, ago and would <laughs> like happen to, to be listening happen to be listening to this podcast <laughs> Send we'll, it to zach. we'll make amends oh man <laughs> well zach this is the third podcast we've done. We sat down here in the opulent and luxurious 200 <laughs> Churches studios. You're going to have a tough time going home. I know. I don't know. After I'm going to miss it. Your beautiful. study is going to look like a dump. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but we have appreciated, I mean, really three very different podcasts, but all such great content. You, uh, you know what you're doing over there, and so it's very cool to be able to see you. You're pretending well to know what you're doing. Maybe that maybe you're the perfect along. guest for the yeah. 200 Churches podcast. You are pretending well to know what you're doing. No, you have great content, and I would encourage everybody who listened, if you have questions or want the egg hunt or whatever, uh, Zach, I'm sure, would be happy to talk to you. We'll throw up a link to his church so you can get a hold of him uh, if you want to. If you're a church planner, Bivo guy, and, and need somebody to talk to, you're lonely or whatever we talked about from the first couple episodes, He's your man, Zach. Thanks so much for driving down and for hanging out with us uh, today on the podcast. Thank you. Privilege. Thanks, Zach. Thanks. We hope you've been encouraged and inspired by this episode of the 200 Churches podcast. If you haven't already, subscribe at 200churches.com and receive the guy's free PDF download called Our 7 Favorite Ministry Resources. You can count on us to be back next Wednesday with another brand new shiny episode just for you. Until then, may God bless you as you lead and love the people in your 200 church. Trying to make him feel insecure now. I'm insecure. <laughs> 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 they didn't say I thought you were gonna like say something and then lead him into the number four. Oh yeah, I, I, that's what I thought you were gonna do. Here's one thought. I think I think this. I, I uh. Oh boy, you don't know what episode this is gonna be, so you don't know. It doesn't matter. So I don't know who starts. So just jump in. Do you want me to do it? Yeah, we get us started. <clears throat> this is the 200 Churches Podcast. Now, if you are a child, 
this morning from four years old to the second grade. You may be dismissed at this time. Right out those doors, Pastor Johnny is going to be with you guys this morning. See, you can tell which one of us is preaching. You just have to see who has their shirt up there. That's, that's the one. I guess that's. I guess that's how it is. So we're. In